People of God in Christ, as the title in the bulletin suggests, uh, this is meant to be a how-to sermon, uh, specifically how to be redeemed. Last time, which was two weeks ago, we introduced the theme of redemption as we find it in the book of Ruth and as it applies to our redemption in Christ. We took note, if you recall, of the first reference to the theme of redemption in the book of Ruth, as we heard that Naomi said of Boaz, he is one of our redeemers. And we noted that none of this, it would seem, occurred to Naomi while they were still in Moab. Instead of saying to her widowed daughters-in-law, Uh, Come back to me to my hometown, and one of my family members will redeem you. Instead, she had urged them to turn back, to return to their people and to their gods. So now perhaps we should understand, as the story progresses, that the, the hope of redemption was growing within Naomi. Remember how full of despair she was. Uh, But now the peace is would seem to be coming together for Naomi. Uh, What didn't occur to her while they were still in Moab was now beginning to dawn on her. And when she heard that Ruth had been um, gleaning in the fields of Boaz and that Boaz had been so very kind to her, it began to make sense. Naomi began to see the hand of providence in her life she began to see what God was doing. And perhaps her eyes got wide and and perhaps she uh, gave a slight gasp of of realization of, of what could happen. As she said to Ruth, he is one of our redeemers. So with that introduction to the theme of redemption, we now see Naomi beginning to think, beginning to plan, beginning to act with hope. And what she proposes to Ruth as far as a plan of action uh, for Ruth's redemption, uh, that same plan gives us some important instruction regarding our own redemption, how to be redeemed. That's how we might label or entitle uh, the instruction that Naomi gave to Ruth in verses 1 through 5 at the start of Ruth chapter 3. So let's consider these uh, five verses with regard to our own redemption in Christ. The first point is this, seeking rest, seeking rest. Verse 1 reads, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? And so the first thing we need to clarify is why Naomi is now talking about rest When it was redemption, she was after. If she had said of Boaz, he is one of our redeemers, and if all of this teaches us about redemption, as we've already said by way of introduction, then why does Naomi now speak of rest rather than redemption? Well, the answer is that redemption and rest come together. Redemption and rest go hand in hand. To be exact, redemption leads to rest, which is to say rest is the result, the outcome of redemption. 
Another example of this connection is the redemption of God's people from Egypt. God redeemed his people from slavery under Pharaoh in order to give them rest in the promised land. And so it is also with Christ and our redemption in him. He redeems us from sin and so gives us rest. In Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But we also need to understand what kind of rest this is uh, that, that comes as the outcome of redemption. It might sound rather strange to hear Naomi say, Should I not seek rest for you? When we realize that Naomi was looking for Ruth to get married and have children. Since when is becoming uh, a, um, a wife and mother a matter of finding rest? So the kind of rest that Naomi was speaking of, the kind that comes by way of redemption, is not a sit around and do nothing kind of rest. Instead, for Ruth at least, it was, it was a matter of rest from gleaning, rest from doing the work of a mere servant, uh, rest from worry about being in, uh, assaulted in the fields by worthless men. Uh, and so to put it another way, We might even read Naomi's words this way, My daughter, should I not seek peace for you? Or even, should I not seek shalom for you? The Hebrew idea of shalom is a word that we translate as peace, but our word peace hardly does justice to the Hebrew word shalom. You really need several words to translate the one word shalom. Because shalom is, yes, peace, but also rest and justice and harmony, love between brothers and sisters. And we might even uh, put it this way, that shalom is paradise. Shalom is the quality of the experience of living in heaven. We know, of course, that even before the fall in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had work to do. And yet they were at rest in the Garden of Eden. And this is why when we hear Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yet the very next thing he says there is, Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me what is, a, what is a yoke except an instrument of labor. So Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. But then immediately he speaks of his yoke upon the one who comes. And yet he goes on to say again, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So we should know that to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Christ, is the matter of finding rest in Christ. But it's also the matter of being a servant of Christ and going to work for Christ, seeking by our work His kingdom and glory. 
And I think even in heaven, we, we should know that, that, that heaven, by way of our place in, in the new creation in Christ, there will be work to do. It will be a place of marvelous and perfect rest. But it will surely also be a place in which we are very busy in our worship of the Lamb, whose blood was re- has redeemed us as He has bought us and brought us to that uh, eternal place of shalom. And even now we need to understand both things, that Jesus has redeemed us and, and given us rest, but that we are called to work hard in this world. It's just that our work does not contribute to our salvation. Nothing that we do contributes to our salvation because we have been redeemed by Christ. We have been saved by the work of Christ for us. So in that respect, we have rest, even as we go about the hard labor of our of our lives, the hard labor of the various callings that we have in our lives, whether we are students preparing for further work uh, later on, or whether we are parents caring for the needs of our children, uh, and certainly as we are Christians striving to abide in Christ, struggling against sin and the temptations of the flesh. In one respect, we need to see that our rest in Christ is not in the absence of hard work. In fact, we must be resting in Christ even as we go about the hard work of the Christian life. And in order to understand this better, we we can look at Ruth. As Naomi sought and even found redemption and rest for Ruth, so Ruth would become a wife and a mother. She would be in for an awful lot of work, wouldn't she? And in that day and culture, no one sat around and did nothing. Life was about work. In that day, life was about work because if you didn't work, you didn't continue. You, you wouldn't stay alive. So as the wife of Boaz, Ruth would find much work. And yet Naomi refers to it as rest. And why? Because she would be free from having to glean. As a gleaner, Ruth was not even a servant of Boaz. That's That's why Ruth uh, said to Boaz, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I'm not even one of your servants, said Ruth. But now Ruth would go from being less than a servant to being the very wife of Boaz, and she would find rest. Not to sit around and do nothing, but rest to go about her work in peace, with a sense of security, and with her children round about her in Boaz's household. And can we not see ourselves in Ruth in this way, that we have been redeemed in Christ so that we have rest in Christ? Yes, we have much work to do. We, we, we need to earn a wage in this world. We need to study hard to prepare ourselves for the day when uh, we go to work like our parents. Uh, we need to work hard as we fight and struggle against sin. Uh, studying God's word and even prayer is a lot of work. As you well know, it's, uh, it's a lot of work to, to even get yourself and, and, and your children to, to, to church each Lord's Day. But none of this work is done to get ourselves saved. 
The law of God has been fulfilled by Christ for us. Uh, The commands of God have been answered, uh, every one of them, by the obedience of Christ. And so our success and, and salvation do not ultimately depend upon our work. Instead, we, like Ruth, can now work in peace. We can live in a state of shalom. Not the shalom we'll have in heaven, but we can yet live in a state of shalom. We can, we can rest in Christ even as we go about our work. And as we are talking here about rest, it almost uh, demands, does it not, that we say something about our Sabbath rest. What is the Lord's day except a day of rest? And when we rest on the Lord's day, we, we are really doing two things. First, we are remembering, we're, we're looking backwards in, in history, and we are, we are remembering that it's not our work, but the finished work of Christ that saves us. In other words, we are being reminded that we have been redeemed by Christ. And we do this, we need this remembrance so that when we get up on Monday morning, as we go about our work on every other day of the week, we will still be resting in Christ so that we will have shalom throughout the week, so that our work will be a matter of gratitude and not of uncertainty and even futility. But second, by resting on the Lord's day, we are also receiving a foretaste. We are looking forward, uh, a foretaste of heaven and to that perfect shalom of the new creation. And so on the Lord's day, we are looking backward to remember the finished work of Christ in history some 2,000 years ago. And we are looking forward, forward to the, to the rest of heaven where we will no longer have to fight to ward off death and where we will no longer have to struggle against sin, and all because we have been redeemed by our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. A second point this evening is making ourselves presentable. Making ourselves presentable, and we take this point from Naomi's instruction to Ruth, beginning in verse 2. She said, Is not Boaz our relative? with whose young men you or young women you were. So by referring to Boaz as our relative, Naomi was again looking to him as a redeemer, one who would take Ruth as his wife and restore her to the state of marriage and even motherhood. And so she said to Ruth, see, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. This was the point in the harvest when Uh, All the stalks and heads of grain that had been gathered in from the fields. Uh, Now it was time to separate the, I'm not a farm person, but this is my understanding of it, to separate those tiny pieces of grain from the head and the rest of the stalk. Uh, This is the same process that we heard earlier, heard about earlier when we are told that Ruth beat out what she had gleaned. That means that uh, she separated the actual grain from the head, leaving the plant behind and, and only taking the grain itself. Now it was time for that same process to be done on the larger scale of the entire harvest, 
And it was hard work, but it was done joyfully because now they were so close to having the entire harvest safely put away. So Naomi said to Ruth, Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. To put it another way, Naomi was telling Ruth to make herself presentable. As we say, Ruth was in a sense to beautify herself, to make herself pleasing in appearance in hopes that when Boaz saw her, he would be pleased by her appearance and uh, that he would be attracted to her. Well, there is, uh, I think, both a positive and negative type here. Um, Because we too must make ourselves presentable to Christ, our Redeemer, as we come and present ourselves before Him. But how will we be made presentable to Christ? We cannot come to Christ simply by cleaning ourselves up a bit, as Ruth did. And and we cannot put on even our best garments and, and expect to make ourselves pleasing and acceptable to Him. Instead, we must actually come to Christ in all our filth and in all our stink, we might say. And we must allow Him to wash us and to clothe us. But it's interesting how much we can see of our, of our coming to Christ in Ruth's coming to Boaz. Naomi said, wash therefore. And here we can see the sacrament of baptism. Of course, baptism is not a matter of us washing ourselves, but again, of our submitting to Christ's washing of us. Baptism is the sign of the washing that we receive by Christ's blood and spirit. Baptism uh, 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 is a washing, and, and again, Ruth washed herself and then went to Boaz. We must come to Christ for his washing of us. And even as Naomi told Ruth to anoint herself, probably meaning uh, with fragrant oils, uh, a form of perfume, even so, we must come to Christ for his anointing of us. It is only by his spirit given to us that we are acceptable in his righteousness. And we can see the righteousness of Christ credited to us also by by Naomi's instruction, and put on your cloak. Again, we must come to Christ, yet in our own garments, in the rags of our sin, and we must allow Him to clothe us in His righteousness, in that perfectly white robe of His sinless life, His perfect obedience. The other type in the, in the negative here is, is that Ruth was uh, then instructed to go down to the threshing floor. But Naomi told her this, Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. It would seem, therefore, that Naomi was uh, being quite strategic by these instructions, Uh, She was looking for a way to make it more likely that Boaz would take her as his wife. And uh, she basically said, um, wait until he's in a good mood. (laughs) Uh, Wait until he's had plenty to eat. Wait until he's had enough to drink. 
and, uh, and verse 7, which is uh, beyond our text for this evening, but verse 7 says, And when Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was merry, he went to lie down. Then she came softly to him. But let's understand that we don't have to wait until Christ is in a good mood before we can come to him to be redeemed. In John 6, 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Be assured, as you come to Christ for his redemption, he will redeem you. And not as you make yourself presentable, not uh, not as you make yourself worthy, but as he washes you and clothes you and so presents you holy and acceptable to himself. Well, finally, then, we ought to take note of Ruth's response to Naomi's instruction because it represents the response of faith. So the third point is dreaded and blessed submission. Dreaded and blessed submission. What does Ruth do? How, how does she respond? She responds in submission. It records in verse 5 that she said, and she replied, all that you say, I will do. And so not only does she submit to Naomi's instructions, but even more, she submits to Naomi's instructions to go and submit herself to Boaz. I don't want to be scandalous here, but I think it's clear that uh, Ruth's instruction were to go and, and, in a sense, to offer herself sexually to Boaz. Uh, a woman doesn't go to a man, especially as he's feeling successful, he's had a bit to drink, uh, and crawl under the covers with him without there being uh, a, a, some sexual connotation. And the reason it's not scandalous is because she was not offering herself like a prostitute apart from marriage, but offering herself as his wife. The routine that Ruth was instructed to follow makes it clear that she was asking to be taken, to be taken as his wife, not just for the night, but permanently in marriage by lying at his feet. It would show that she was seeking redemption, that she was asking to be taken as his wife. But the main point is to see Ruth's submission, both her submission to Naomi uh, and her instructions, and also to Boaz as she agreed to go and offer herself to him as his wife, that by taking her as his wife, he might redeem her. And as we come to Christ, it certainly requires that we come in submission to him. Going back to Matthew 11, that's why Christ said, Come to me all who labor and are heavy heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Those words, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This This is the call to submit to Christ. To take the yoke of Christ upon yourself is to submit to Christ. And, and here, uh, and, and there are people all the time who try to come to Christ without submitting to Him. Uh, they try to come to Him as their Savior without submitting to Him as their Lord. They think they are saved, but they prove that they are not because they have not submitted to Him. 
They have, they have no desire and no intention to wear his yoke. And so we need to hear the assurance that Jesus offers here in Matthew 11. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, how we hate to submit. Am I right? It's part of that desire, that, that deception within us that, that maybe we can be free of all lordship external to ourselves. It's the desire and deception that we can belong only to ourselves and rule over our own lives. But the truth is we were not created for that. We cannot be Lord of ourselves any more than the moon can be Lord of the sun. We just weren't created that way by God. The truth is that there will always be a Lord ruling over us. Either it will be the lordship of Satan or the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. The lordship of Satan is tyranny and death as we obey him and look forward only to sharing in his ultimate end. But Jesus gives us this assurance, this promise, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, submit to me as your Lord. And then this assurance and promise, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, the rest that Jesus gives us is not the sit around and do nothing kind of rest. It's the rest that is shalom. It is the rest that allows us to go about our work knowing that our salvation is secure in Christ. We aren't working to get saved because we are saved in Christ. He has redeemed us. He has washed us in His blood by His death on the cross, and He has clothed us in His righteousness. And if this is our faith, if we come to Him in submission, then we are redeemed and we can live and die in peace. The story of Ruth and Boaz is a beautiful story. And the Lord willing will continue with it through these summer weeks. But let us not miss the truth that even from the beginning of this beautiful story, we can see our story. And that story, the story of our redemption in Christ, is more beautiful still. Amen. Please pray with me. We thank you for the institution of marriage. We thank you for how it shows us the relationship between Christ and his church, how he has redeemed her. We thank you for the story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, and we thank you for uh, these wonderful pictures uh, that uh, show us even our own redemption in Jesus Christ. May we take these things to heart, and if there would be any here tonight who has not yet been redeemed, who has not yet come in faith to Christ, we pray that you would do that work that is needed in their heart to bring them and each of us uh, and all of us together to faith in Christ and to his redemption by his cross and through his resurrection. In his name we pray. Amen.